Hey everyone, Clay here. Just wanted to let you know my graphic novel Bloody Hell is now for sale in stores and on Amazon. So if you'd like to help support the show, get yourself a copy of that. Thanks so much. Here's the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 best horror movies of all time list. 50 something episodes in and I got it down. Jesus. <laughs> um, my name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Good. I'm, I was looking forward to doing this movie. This is a movie. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain... Je ne sais quoi about this movie. Well, that too, but I think I feel like there's a certain <laughs> genre of mov- movie. Maybe it's even like a subgenre mm-hmm. that really existed in the late '90s to early 2000s, <clears throat> and that genre can be described as like mid-level thriller, high-concept thrillers uh-huh. that are pretty good, mm-hmm. but nobody really talks about. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, like this is one. There's a uh, another one. Shit, now I can't remember what the hell it's called. <laughs> it's got, uh, <clears throat> it's got. What the fuck is the name of that movie? It's got John Cusack in it, and it's but it's about a bunch of people uh-huh. who go to a uh, a bunch of strangers who end up at a motel, and the people start getting killed, and you start to find out they all have something in common. Oh. And then, it, then the twist is that it's Jesus. all inside the mind of like a, a mentally challenged person yes. who I think is also a serial killer. Yes. Oh my god. Now I want to remember the name of this I movie can't, too. Now, okay. Now I got to look it up. Shit. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> that's a, it's a certain. Uh, yeah, where where like I feel like it was in that that moment of time where you could still kind of pull those like really. What would seem now like a corny or like really overwrought twist? Identity. Identity. Ident- I yes. knew it was an I. I, I actually you- really liked that movie. Me too. Do you remember the poster? Yeah. Was it like the hand? The hand yes. when all the fingers were the people? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. Wow. Movie. But yeah, it's 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 one of those movies completely. from, it's got to be like 2003. So yeah, yeah it's in the yeah. Same, same, uh, same arena. Yeah. Where you could kind of get away with that more now like like audiences were maybe a little more credulous mm-hmm. going into it yeah you know and it's just also um they're always like kind of under the radar yeah yeah like like a good a, a, a decent cast yeah like you've got at least one or two people on the cast that it's like oh okay that's a name that's mm-hmm. a real person and like not bad writing yeah pretty you solid know? Yeah, yeah yeah and like decent enough budget that like Things look okay, but not like a blockbuster right, movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are not talking about identity. Yeah. Now that we know, but all but all of those things we just said can also apply to this movie. Yes, we are talking about frailty. 
frailty. From two, another another Y movie from the same genre. <laughs> um, from 2001. Single word. It is, ends in a Y. It is number 190 on our list. It has a 75% Rotten Tomato score. Wow. Uh, had you seen this before? I had. So this was definitely a, um, along with some of my other probably favorite movies when I was a teenager, the Costco DVD table. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. You go into Costco and there was just this enormous table covered in DVDs and they were all like nine ninety nine or oh, cheaper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um Your husband your husband's parents love that section of the yeah. store. <laughs> yes. Well so did my family, but in my family it was pretty much like occasionally you could pick. You could either get a book or a DVD. You, oh, you, I, I if that would I DVD every time. I, <sighs> I if I was offered that choice, I would never have chosen a book. See, I chose the book most yeah, of the time. Yeah, because you're I'm a, a nerd. You're enlightened. No, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the one who's choosing a book over buying identity on DVD yeah. from Costco. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think that identity was one of the ones where I chose the DVD. Yeah, I. I <laughs> but might, frailty was. I might actually own identity. I wonder if I do. I think I did at one point. I'm pretty. I owned this. This is what I'm saying. I, I like yeah, frailty. Okay. So we. F- I found it at Costco when I was like, you know, probably f- f- thirteen or fourteen, however old I was when this came out. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna buy this movie. And my mom was like, Sure, <laughs> go for it. I'm kind of regretting picking the. We're gonna. We have another wild card coming up after mm. this episode. I'm kind of regretting picking the movie already because now I, I feel like we owe it to the people to do identity. Yeah. <laughs> I so there's there's a series of three movies okay. that I, I I think if I owned this movie then yes three <laughs> movies that all occupy this space mm-hmm. that I bought used from Blockbuster nice it's Identity a movie called Imposter which is a Gary Sinise movie wow. based on a Philip K Dick movie uh, uh, story whoa and uh, a movie called Session Nine oh my God I love that movie Session Nine is legitimately <sighs> good. I haven't watched it in a very long time. I'm pretty sure I still own it. I don't think I know I, I own it. Oh, good. Yeah. I don't think I have identity anymore. I think that might have been purged at some point. But yeah. I'll have to go look. I think I also got rid of Imposter, but I can't remember. Um, yeah, th- that's so did you see it this did you see Frailty for the first time on DVD? Yes. Did you buy it sight unseen? Yes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean I was, you know, it was kind of like I want to watch this movie. <laughs> You were really taken in by the high contrast, by the Matthew McConaughey, absolutely turning into a bunch of doves. I I am a woman. I cannot help it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I actually saw this in the theater. I think I I may have seen it with your husband. Yeah, you did. Yeah, (laughs) I remember specifically seeing this in the theater. And I think it was like a very full theater. Yeah. Because I remember I was actually sitting on the floor watching this movie. What? Yeah. It was the kind of thing where it was like there was, you know, it's the, the, the two levels. Allowed? No. But it was the two levels of seats where they had like the walkway in the middle where okay. like they put the uh, um, handicap yeah, seats. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was a small theater. And it must have been full because I very clearly remember sitting on the floor Next to was this like the, the, the old showcase cinema in Revere before it was redone? No, or something? I think it was like it might have been the 
Liberty Tree Mall or something. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but I think it was basically like I think it was full. I think we probably had like five people with us. Yeah. And I think not all. Of yeah, us but could nobody find was paying attention. Yeah. in the Liberty Tree Mall. Oh yeah, no, anything, absolutely so. not. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this was one. There was all of these movies in that sort of like subgenre. Yes. Kind of live or die by their twist ending. Yes. And I remember all of them being like, that's the thing I remember mm-hmm. coming out of that movie going like. That was awesome. Yeah. That was so good. <laughs> like that movie, that movie Imposter. Yeah. I don't think it's a very good movie, but the twist is really good. Mm-hmm. Identity. I don't remember if it's very, I think it was pretty good. I remember Identity being solid. Yeah. But the twist is, you know, oh, I, I, not in a million years would I have guessed that. Yeah. Um, and this one is another one that lives or dies by its twist, which I do want to talk about. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see. I kind of wish one of us or, or your your husband had hadn't yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah, that somebody had gone in clean. Yeah, because I would like to know how this plays. Well, it clearly plays well because yeah. I think this movie, yeah. the most memorable thing when you bring it up is like, oh, that's the one where you know, blank, blankety blank. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's really it's a really interesting small movie from yes. 2001. It's Bill Paxton's. Uh, feature film directorial debut he only directed two movies hmm. um the other one was a movie about golf with uh shia labeouf that sounds like my nightmare <laughs> um but yeah it's i i this is one where <clears throat> i think like most people i saw it i really liked it yep it was a surprise i think i wasn't expecting much out yes, of it yes yeah and then I kind of never really thought about it again until yeah. somebody brought it up in passing. You go, oh, yeah, no, that movie's great. And mm-hmm. then I don't think about it again for five or ten years. So we are back in that section where we're thinking about it. And, back in uh, the Costco DVD table. <laughs> yes, that's what we should do for Patreon next year. There we go. Go to Costco and just start grabbing oh movies out God. of the bin. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, play the trailer for you, and then we will talk about Frailty. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. Listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the goddamn killer is. What makes you think that? He hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until... Wake up, I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on them, I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea what them bodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing I've heard in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. So why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. You're crazy. Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you?
Frailty, number 190 on our list, 75% Rotten Tomatoes score, directed by Bill Paxton, written by Brent Hanley, starring Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Powers Booth, Matt O'Leary, <laughs> Jeremy Sumter, and Otis the Axe. <laughs> nice. Amanda, what happens in Frailty? One day, a widowed blue-collar worker has a revelation. He must destroy those revealed to him as demons. He then begins the serial killings of the God's Hand Killer across Texas. But he also has two young sons, the younger of whom idolizes him and believes in the cause, while his older brother is revolted but cannot bring himself to stop his father. Twenty years later, the elder son walks into a police station and confesses. Yeah, that, that, that gets you there without spoiling anything, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of surprising because you would you would think reading that summary that like, well, now I know everything about this movie. Right. But if you haven't seen this movie, you still don't know everything about this movie. Right. Yeah, it's... I, we can talk about the twist when we when we talk about the twist, but... Yes. I, it, I remembered it incorrectly. And oh. so the they actually kind of like... There's like a support system built into the twist Mm -hmm. that makes it not totally obvious what's going on. Yeah. Um, Which I think is what makes this movie really fun. Yeah. Well, in this really fun movie. Mm, Yes. Some things you'll find include. The most fun movie we've watched about uh, uh, biblical murder and (laughs) child. uh, I don't know if that's actually true. We'll have to look at the back catalog. That's true. Uh, But things you'll find in this movie include Mm -hmm. Deus Ex Trophy. Yes. Yep. If you're ever and also be... car engine block and yes. also et cetera, et cetera. If you're ever going to be driven to kill, uh, catching the glint off of your bowling trophy is yeah. the best. <laughs> or like your old high school track and field trophy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense because you look at it and you go, well, it's not going to get any better than that. Right? It's all downhill from there. <laughs> Might as well pick up the pipe. <laughs> uh, the Ninja Turtles murder van. That van looked exactly like the Ninja Turtles van. <laughs> Except... People were getting, demons, demons were getting murdered. Uh, If the Ninja Turtles aren't demons, I don't know what they are. Well, they weren't getting murdered in it. That's true. Uh, Proof that the family that stays together slays together. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very, very nice uh, familial bond. Yeah. That was then exploded and then brought to get back together at the end. Eh. Uh, a head-sized window into total insanity. Yes. It was a very... Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that moment. That shot of, of his oh, head on God. a black background. Just a child's head receding into a pure black background. That is a very, like, old-style yeah. shot. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've seen that it's on the Twilight so Zone. It's so out of step with the rest of the way this movie is shot that it's, like... I cannot help but laugh at it. Yeah, it like, feels to me like some like an imagery from like an old Alfred Hitchcock movie yeah. that Bill Paxton had in his head. That he yeah, just, where he's yeah. like, oh yeah, we're gonna get an homage to obscure movie number three, uh, and of course, questionable parenting. Yeah, lots of it. Lots of it. Lots, lots of, it. Unless, lots of it. Unless he's telling the truth, and then in which case, still lots great, of it. Great parenting. No. <laughs> Still He's highly instilling values into his sons, Amanda. Everything he does seems custom designed to drive his son further away. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Cart, horse, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Frailty. Um, this movie is... It's, it's kind of the perfect movie for the end of the 90s, early 2000s. It's like thriller 
run. Yeah. Because this is a lot of, this is kind of like if Seven and the Usual Suspects had a baby. Huh. Where it's got, it's got the same sort of like really dark, biblical-based yeah. murder stuff. And then you've got the, the Usual Suspects sort of twist at the end where the, mm-hmm. you know, the guy whose foot's messed up isn't really messed Well, that doesn't literally happen, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's both of those things. It's so also very uh, uh, prescient because there were some scenes of this movie that I felt like I was watching True Detective. <laughs> was that because of the movie, because of the setting, or because of Matthew McConaughey? Mostly Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and telling a story about a, a, a dark murder. Yeah, lots of lots of McConaughey voiceover. Yeah, in yeah. a, in a uh, police station. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a really. It's really fun. It's I don't even know if fun is the right word. But how did you feel that it held up going back and revisiting it? Um you know, it's funny cuz I remember when I first watched this, mm-hmm. um like 13, 14-year-old me thought it was really really boring until okay, the end. Okay. Sure. Um I didn't feel that way this time. It didn't it wasn't it wasn't boring, but there's something maybe because of the framing device mm-hmm. of all right, so so at the beginning at the beginning of this movie, a man comes into not just a police station; he comes into an FBI office. Right, right. Um, and he says, "My name is Fenton Meeks." Rust Cole. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My name is Fenton Meeks, and my brother, my my brother Adam, was the God's Hand killer, mm-hmm. and my father was a killer. Let me tell you this whole story. And then the rest of the movie, up until the, pretty much the very end, is this this framing device of him telling the story. Mm-hmm. So we're getting everything in flashbacks. Right. And I think for me, having so much of the movie in flashbacks, it, it like kind of removes some of the stakes. Yeah. As you're watching it, like... Because he says, you know, my brother, because he says, oh, I'm, you know, my brother was the killer and he he recently committed suicide. So I'm here. I'm going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole time that both the boys live. Right. Right. Which isn't shocking. They're kids in a movie. Not kids, in, especially in, you know, early 2000s movies aren't getting. All good movies kill their children. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. It, it 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 it's it's a weird experience watching this movie knowing the twists that are to come. Mm-hmm. I think even given that though, it 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 held up surprisingly well and I think I found myself better understanding as an adult some of the difficulty and like the emotional aspects of it where it's like this is his father and the yeah. father really believing in what he's doing and and thinking he's doing the right thing. I think it kind of gave the movie a little bit more of an emotional depth for me, even if you miss the sort of adrenaline kick of the twist. Yeah, it's 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 kind of looking at this now with a more um, uh, a better understanding of how stories work. Yeah, it's tough for me to watch this movie and not go. Clearly, there's something. There's a twist coming. Because yeah. if there's not, what is this all driving towards? Yeah, everything's like too straightforward for too long. And yeah. so I think that's kind of how I was feeling when I said the stakes feel like they're not there for so much of the movie. Because, yeah, yeah it's sort of like, all right, if everything has already happened, then what's the point? Yeah, and if there's no twist, then it's like... Yeah, could you imagine if this movie ended with the FBI agent being like, well, you know, we're 
we t- I'll, I'm going to ask you to come in for an official interview and we're going to go raid your brother's house. Thank you for cooperating. Yeah, I, no, honestly, <laughs> I think that that story probably, I think there's another version, a lesser version of this movie that kind of mm. does end that way because they mm. do set it up that he's like stolen his brother's body from the morgue, which right. is a nice detail they just kind of gloss over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. In like a phone call, like, oh yeah, yeah, we know that guy. He stole that body from the morgue. Yeah. Um, even though I think that woman that he talks to is actually his wife i I I think so yeah yeah i think she's 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 made up a cover story for him yeah but um i can see a version of this movie that is more about telling the story and then like actually laying the brother to rest or something like that Mm. but that's not there's there's no fun in that yeah and i but watching it this time i was thinking all right well if you don't have the you got it you have to be expecting something this whole time otherwise what is the point of any of this? What is this driving towards? However, I think what kind of stops what stops that from being too much of a hang up yeah. is the stuff with Bill Paxton and the Sons is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And pretty engaging. Yeah. Because you've got basically the story of this father who either has a psychotic break mm-hmm. or has been given a vision by god that he's yeah. now needs to go and start killing demons yeah and he's imparting this onto his two sons one of whom is into it the other who yep. of whom thinks this is insane right and you kind of watch the family deteriorate as bill paxton is actually going out and murdering people yeah and uh, not even just going out and murdering people but bringing them home yeah like bringing them, like kidnapping people, bringing them back to the house and murdering them in front of two children. Yeah, he does a lot of work. Yeah. Like he, they build a, a, a secret killing hole underneath well, the- Fenton does most of the work that. was that. a big ass hole. Yeah. That must have taken him like a <laughs> month to dig that hole. Well, he, he tries to claim that it was like five days or Impossible. something. <laughs> Maybe God helped. Yeah. But you know, you, you do get, I think you do get this nice kind of like, really interesting family story and i think one of the things that makes it really work for me and i think where most of the creepiness factor comes for me mm-hmm. is that bill paxton uh and this is a credit to bill paxton because i do want to talk about him in a minute yeah um he plays it pretty reserved yes and pretty he doesn't like fly off the handle yeah. about anything he just kind of is very calm about the whole thing as though yes. He just got a letter from his father or something that told him this new information that he now has to act on. He's not he's not thinking about this vision as though it's anything crazy. It's just like, no, this is what's happening now. Right. And I and I, I appreciate the fact that at no point does this movie make him like a lesser version of this movie would have made it would have tried to go harder in the like, ooh, maybe he is crazy. Right. You know, like would have had him like getting drunk at the dinner table and lashing out and throwing things and screaming at the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, and then swinging back to the really sweet, loving father yeah. you see a, at the beginning. There's and definitely a Jack Torrance version of this movie. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas this, I think instead, kind of it, it plays him as maybe tired or maybe exasperated or frustrated or even fearful, but mm-hmm. never like, psychotic yeah and so it lets you ride that knife's edge the whole movie of being like well he's got to be insane because we're seeing him just like kidnap this lady and then kill her with an axe for no reason right but 
he doesn't seem insane. He seems normal. He's still going to work. He's still making the kids dinner. Like he seems like a loving father. Yeah. And he never, when he does fly off the handle. Yeah. It is, it isn't because he's going crazy. It's that he's, he's flying off the handle like a father flies off the handle at a son who is not doing the thing. he Yeah. Yeah. At his like 10 year old son who's disobeying. Yeah. And even there, it's not like, you know, it's not like the, you know, Put put putting the gun in his hand and go like you gotta kill that boy boy and then he the kids like crying right like, Daddy, I don't want to. <laughs> he's he's like flying off the handle because he's like I don't understand why you don't understand right that this is the right thing to do right it's not it's not a it's not coming from a place of like evil or or like malice or um, violence yeah it's coming from him desperately wanting his son to realize that he's doing things wrong. Right. And and sort of the the, the confusion of like, why don't you see it? Like right. h- how yeah. how could you not see it? Your younger brother sees it. Yeah. I see it. Why aren't you shouldn't you be happy? We've been chosen by God. Yeah. He's mad at him the way a father gets mad at a son who like took the car without asking. Yeah, you know, yeah, and didn't even do times. that bad. You know, didn't do anything that bad to it. It's just more like, you, what, you, what, what is not, ha- what is not getting through to you right now? Yeah, yeah. And I, my, my favorite scene in the movie is um, when Fenton, young Fenton, uh, Tuesdays on CBS, <laughs> when young Fenton uh, brings the sheriff oh over God. to the house. Yeah. And and the father kills the sheriff and then they have to get rid of the body. Yes. They've already killed two or three quote unquote demons at this point. But the thing that is drives uh Bill Paxton nuts is that now he's killed someone. Right. Which he doesn't he doesn't think that he's killed anybody at this point. Yes. He's already killed five people. Or yeah. Whenever Fenton says to says something to him about you killed that man or you killed her or whatever, he's like, "No, I did not." I destroyed a demon. Mm-hmm. I've never harmed another person in my in, in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. And so that scene when they're when they're disposing of the body is when he first when he really goes off on on Fenton. And like I said, it's well, and because he even warned him, he says to him earlier in the movie, like the angel told me, if if you try to tell anyone, mm-hmm. someone will die. Yeah. And then it happens, and that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And the way, like I said, the way he goes off on him is like my son just crashed the car. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's, it's a really, uh, I guess Bill Paxton felt like he was a little too over the top in that scene, but I actually thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was, it was true to the character. If this character really truly believes he's never harmed a person and now he's killed an innocent man, then yeah, him having a huge emotional reaction makes sense. Yeah. And they, they build in this other element to it as well, where, um, he gets another, vision or or thing from god Mm -hmm. basically telling him that fenton is a demon yes and i can't remember exactly how how it works out where he doesn't end up killing fenton or something or like he can't bring himself to do it or he can't bring himself to do it and i think that's pretty soon after that is when he locks him in the cellar Mm -hmm. and then Fenton has his own vision window into insanity. his window, his head size window into total insanity, <laughs> um, AKA a vision from God mm-hmm. as he tells his dad yeah. after like two weeks starving in the cellar, which I'm, I was, I was surprised that he wasn't really playing it as though he was just saying it to say it or was he, I can't, 
Did you get the feeling that he was he was saying that just to get out of the hole, or do you think he actually believed it? No, I I think he actually believed it in some way. I think he he yeah. believed he had had an epiphany of some sort. Whether that's a like the old school religious definition of the word epiphany, or the mm-hmm. more modern one of a, of you know a sudden realization. Yeah. But yeah, I I, th- I think he. I think he means it because he because of what he does later yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, he um uh and there's after he we're, we're jumping way to the end here, but after he <laughs> kills Bill Paxton, yes. There's another nice moment, nice moment. Where <laughs> nice he, family bonding moment. Yeah, where he basically yeah. says to his brother, yeah, he's two like two brothers burying their dad in the rose garden. Yeah, you're going to probably you're going to do this to me eventually cuz I'm a demon. Yeah, he says when you when not. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's when, not if. When you come to destroy me, you have to promise me you'll bury me in the rose garden too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this movie, the the, the plot of the movie in 1979, when Fenton and Adam are kids, is Dad has the vision, mm-hmm. the visit from the angel. The angel shows him three tools: the axe, the pipe, and the gloves. Right. Yep. Yep. And then. Gives him a the list three, of names. The three uh, godly weapons yes. that he had to find. Yes. But then later he buys Fenton a pair of demon wrangling gloves from like Home yeah. Depot or something. Yeah. I kept wanting to make a, the holy hand grenade of Antioch jokes mm-hmm. this entire time. <laughs> I think I made it at Greg and he didn't either didn't hear me or didn't care. Um, yeah. And then they're progressively killing people. Fenton tries to kind of get it to stop. He tells the sheriff the sh- they end up having to murder the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Fenton gets punished by being put in the cellar. Fenton comes out of the cellar, helps his dad kidnap someone, and then instead of killing the demon, kills his father with Otis the axe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a really um I think overall it it the family stuff is pretty engaging in a way that's like I I felt like watching it this time, you could really take anything and kind of insert it in there as mm-hmm. this being a metaphor for fucking your kids up. Yeah. Like I mean not to not to get too uh, up to date with it, but like I I was I was watching this going like how is this different than say a father who decides that he's really into QAnon now, you know like yeah. I, like I, I was I I made a joke about they were talking about demons and like killing children and eating children and I was like well I would love to hear Bill Paxton's character's thoughts on Hillary Clinton yeah because it's probably very <laughs> sad, but I'm sure that's demon number one on his list yeah but you know what I mean where it's like it's it's a it's an interesting look at someone you're very close to who has mm-hmm. had a very uh, hard left turn with their psyche or a hard right turn or a hard right turn. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You we're can't like do a, anything to pull them out. Of yes. It. A kind of sudden and complete break with reality. Right, right. As as you see it, at least. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Um, so yeah, Bill Paxton, director, yes. star. Uh, what what do you, what are your thoughts on Bill Paxton in general? Do you like Bill Paxton? I like Bill Paxton, but like in this way that so he sort of fades into the background for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's mm-hmm. not like when I see something has Bill Paxton in it, I always have to take a minute and be like, Bill Paxton. Wait a minute. I know, I know, I know him, mm-hmm. and then I have to sort of like remember <laughs> what I've seen him in and what he looks like. Like yes. he just looks like every white man to me like i cannot if you put him in a lineup with like slightly similar looking guys i could not tell you which one is bill paxton he's not the one who's in independence day 
That's Bill Pullman. Right. I think that also I've, confuses me. I've made that mistake when I was younger. Yes. Yeah, because they were both big and in kind of similar styles of things yeah. around the same period of time. Like they were both getting a lot of work yes. in the in the mid to late Which is 90s great, early you know? 2000s. It's nice to see him out there get get yeah, getting jobs. Absolutely. And doing work. Yeah. You know, I I I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I think his like kind of nondescriptness actually makes him a better actor. Yeah, you I know? you know I I really like Bill Paxton when he's in the right role. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think he's perfect for everything. He's got this sure. he's got this weird style that I think sometimes ends up he ends up mis- miscast. Mm. However, when he's in the right role, I think he's fantastic. And do you think this is the right role for him? <sighs> yes. Yeah. Um, there are some parts of it where I, I kind of waver, but I think generally, I think he's good in this. Yeah. I think, like I said, he, he understates pretty much everything because that's the thing with him. He can go over the top very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if that's what you want, if you want over the top Bill Paxton and his over the topness veers very close into just bad yeah, uh, like it's he's he's really riding a, a razor razor thin line there. Um, that's great. Like if that's what you're going for, like near dark, perfect Bill Paxton. Movie. Yeah, uh, aliens, perfect Bill Paxton role. Uh, his crowning achievement, the the sleazy car salesman from True Lies, perfect <laughs> Bill Paxton. Uh, but see, like if you told if you had like shown me pictures of him in each of those roles. Mm-hmm. And been like, which actor is this? I'd be like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. But now that you've said it, you've reminded me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is him. Yeah. He's got like, he's got this this kind of goofiness and also sort of like naivete that gets baked into a lot of his characters that I think works well. Yes. Like he's great in Tombstone as the third Earp brother. Who's yes. Who's just kind of like, that's a yeah. perfect Bill Paxton role. Um. Yeah, he does typically fill a certain niche. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually the first person? No, he's the second person to be killed by the Terminator in the first Terminator movie. Or is he the first? I think he's the first or the second. He's a, he's one of the punks in the first Terminator movie that Terminator gets his clothes from. Yeah. Isn't uh, the first one the a biker? No, that's Terminator no, 2. That's 2. God damn. No, uh, the the don't hate me, everyone. The the three the three punks in the first Terminator are Bill Paxton, the guy who plays the alien human hybrid assassin like super soldier from the X Files. Oh my god! Who you would know if I mean yes. if you don't see his face. No, I head, do. Yeah. And then <laughs> a third guy who I don't know and I don't think I've ever seen yeah. anything else. Um, I gotta rewatch the first Terminator movie. Always a good choice. Yeah. Two two titans of of genre. Of those guys in genre, yeah, movies. yes, those guys exactly. But but yeah, I think I think he's I think he's got got the right when you find the right role. He's I don't know if you've ever seen um, Club Dread from the guys who did uh, uh, no. Super Troopers. No. Oh man, I love that movie. It's really dumb, but <laughs> I really really enjoy it. And he plays this. Uh, um, what the fuck is that guy's name? jimmy buffett character called coconut pete and he's got all these stupid ass like shanty songs and oh margaritaville type songs that he coconut sings pete, that's he's fantastic perfect. perfect bill paxton role oh man all right uh, but yeah as a director 
I think he does a pretty good job. There's there's some some spots where it feels a little bit um, amateurish in some ways, but it's not. Yeah. It's it's few and far between. I think it's he's working with really good people. Yeah. His uh, his DP in this was Bill Butler, who's the guy who shot Jaws, I believe. Oh. Um, and uses one of the great Jaws camera moves towards the end, where they do that Hitchcock thing where they push the camera toward the the actor while zooming yes. out or yeah. vice versa. I, maybe, it might be the other way. Where they no, zoom but I know in what you mean. Away. There's that that moment where the person seems to rush towards you. In the background. In the background, yeah. rushes away. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a really cool camera move. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I think I think he does a good job. This was, from everything I've read, this was kind of like, he, his, he had... He got his buddies together to make this movie. Like he yeah. was friends with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, he was good friends with Powers Booth. Um, that guy from TV. That guy from TV. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the guy who have you ever seen Deadwood? Oh God, uh, I think maybe I saw like the first episode, but yeah. no, I didn't. I love Deadwood. Yeah, Deadwood's fantastic. But you know, you know Ian McShane, right? Yes. He, yes. So Ian McShane is the swearing hard, hard living uh, bar manager. Uh huh. When the rival bar opens up across the street, yeah. Powers Booth is the guy who runs that bar. And it's like it's like having in Street Fighter when yeah. one person picks yeah. Ken <laughs> yes. and the other person picks Ken, but he's got like yeah. green on instead right, of red right. or blue or whatever. Yes. Um, so it's really... It's yeah, a, just like a bizarro version of the same character. Definite Spider-Man pointing meme. <laughs> but Powers Booth is great. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys who's in tons of stuff and always, always kind of does the same thing, but it always works. Yeah. Like he's got, again, it's same... kind of a matter of casting. Like there's right. a certain type of character in your project. Then you want a certain type of actor like Powers Booth, which yeah. sounds like a fake name. It does. It, the, in, in the, uh, pantheon of actors with really fake sounding names, Powers Booth followed closely by Rip Torn. Um, but yeah, uh, Matthew McConaughey is the lead. Is the baby-faced lead. Yeah, the baby-faced lead. He looks so young in this. He does. The way that his hair is styled yeah. goes a long way to making him, to how he looks, because when he comes in from the rain yes. and it's all kind of like forward, he looks yeah. super young. Yeah. And then later, when he's in right, the Right, and they have it like slicked, slicked back. back. Yeah. All of a sudden, he kind of looks like modern, closer to modern day Matthew McConaughey, which is extremely right. angular. Yes. Instead of like kind of rounded. Yeah, it's like he lost five pounds from just his face when they slicked his he hair He probably back. did. Uh, what do you, what do you think of what are your thoughts on McConaughey in general and in this movie? So I love Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. and I am not ashamed to say that half of it might just be that I find him wildly attractive. Okay, like I feel like all everybody right. gets at least all one right, or two right. of those actors, right? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And he's just one of those for me. Um, but no, in this, I actually, I, I, I think it works really well in this because he has a certain, he has a certain like just kind of guilelessness that seems very put on in this movie do you mm. know what i mean he seems almost too like oh i don't know what you're talking about officer sure and i think it ends up working like at first he comes off as like maybe he might just be a little slow <laughs> but then as the movie goes on it's like you know i i I think it works i also think if you're gonna have somebody talk a lot mm-hmm. during your film that it's it's nice to have someone with a pleasant voice to listen to he does have a good voiceover voice yes like even though he's got that thick texas accent yeah, it's like nice though. It's yeah. like enjoyable to listen to him. I want to hear him try to sell me a Lincoln. <laughs> and he will. 
one and day, he will. if I could go back and tell myself from 2001 anything, I'd say, Clay, one day, Matthew McConaughey, that voice, yeah. it's going to try to sell you a Lincoln. And you're I just want it. him to like read me audiobooks. Oh, I'm sure they're out there. You know, he them. seems like someone who's on the Calm app. You ever hear those commercials where it's like, yes, listen yes. to LeBron James read you the yeah. phone book to fall asleep? I feel like that would be the least relaxing thing ever. <laughs> but I think, I think he'd he... be like, LeBron James would be putting subliminal messages about the only important thing being winning. Yes. And it would just amp me up a well, lot. Well, you know, someone's, you got to hear it some way. Yeah. But I think, I think he does have, I think he's one of the, the people on that app who has like <laughs> spoken word stuff or reading well, stuff. Well, now they got so, me, Clay. Yeah. God we, damn it. That's not even, we're not even getting money from them. <laughs> and I just probably sold a a lot of subscriptions there you go calm app sponsor us yeah. you know been watching horror movies all night yes yeah <laughs> need to calm down before bed did i tell you um one time so i one time towards christmas a few years ago i mm. downloaded a christmas carol um yeah. read by patrick stewart and oh, wow which is fantastic and My jaw literally dropped when you said that. <laughs> I put it on because I like to listen to stuff when I go to sleep. So I was like, I got this. I'll throw this on. It's Christmas time. I couldn't go to sleep because it was too good. Like his. <laughs> you're going to say he was keeping you up because he was scary. No. His like just delivery was just. I mean, obviously it's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. But I was expecting, I guess, calmer. And he was just like, it had a lot of gusto built yeah. into it. And I was really into it. And I did not want to go to sleep. He, until... went, he went full stage theater. Actor. Yes. Yeah. This episode brought to you by Audible and the yeah. Call Map. <laughs> Call us. Yeah, McConaughey's interesting to me because I yeah. never really thought twice about him mm-hmm. until probably about eight years ago. Well, <laughs> when True Detective came yeah, out, kind of. Yeah. Well, so he, in my mind, was oh he's the guy from Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Oh, he's the guy who's in all those shitty rom coms. Mm. And then he turned into, oh, Matthew McConaughey, True Detective, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But along the way, he's got a couple movies that stand out as Mm -hmm. him really trying to go for something different. Yeah. This being one of them, Reign of Fire being the other one. I fucking love Reign of Fire. Isn't he in Mud, too? Isn't Uh, Mud his his thing where he was like a dramatic role for him? I think so. Yeah, I liked that movie. I remember thinking that was was good. But yeah, he's he always, I think he's always great like he's always really good and uh yeah but for some reason he started getting really pigeonholed into these uh love interest rom-com roles because he's extremely attractive i guess yeah (laughs) well Um, it's funny because i actually think this was the very first thing i ever saw him in oh really okay yeah um and he's got something this is gonna sound like an insult and i don't mean it that way he's got this face that just like it's like like a mirror almost okay do you know what i mean like like he he can have like like so blank and like vapid and empty yeah actually (laughs) like like i'm not that's not his face all the time but when he needs it to be it is Mm -hmm. and i think he kind of uses that to great effect in this movie where he's like yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah he's like it's like a mask that he's put on Instead of like a personality that shows emotion. Like when he's sitting there talking to the FBI agent, he's not like emoting at all. Like he, he has like a very flat affect. And I think given what you find out about him and why he's even come to the FBI office all makes sense later on. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good, I think that's, you're right. That's a great 
casting choice or at least a great way of him playing it too yeah. because of how the movie ends up playing out as it goes. Yes. He has a really weird filmography. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> like he's in Dazed and Confused is his first... Yeah, he was apparently in Unsolved Mysteries in 1992, <gasps> which is an episode I need to find and see now. I need to watch it every day for the rest of my life. Uh, Dazed and Confused was his first movie. Was he like a child in Unsolved Mysteries? I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, 92. How old is he? He is. Uh, he was born in 1969. So What? So he was in his 20s, early 20s. I don't understand. Is he like Paul Rudd? Is he just aging backwards? Maybe. I think... Yeah, he does kind of look the same, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks thinner in the face. But yeah. beyond that, it's, I'm telling you, it's that flat affect thing. If you don't make <laughs> facial expressions, you don't get wrinkles. Just love that flat affect. <laughs> I'm all about a good flat affect. Uh, but yeah, he does Dazed and Confused where he's kind of a, a bit of a, uh, a bit dazed and a bit confused. Well, yeah, he's kind of a breakout memorable role in that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's actually in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, wow. And he's kind of in a bunch of other stuff I don't really know. Um, and then he's in A Time to Kill, which is a, a big one mm-hmm. for him. And Contact he's the mid oh. mid to late 90s are pretty big for him he's in the time to kill contact amistad oh god yeah um uh, and then after that he kind of starts to dip off and he ends up uh yeah in the in the early 2000s doing a lot of um uh romantic comedies and stuff yeah and and he then he kind of came back up and start doing weird stuff again in the in the late 2000s That's which you got to do really enjoy. you got to do weird stuff yeah but yeah i i he's one of those actors who up until recently when he yeah. became like a thing again i was kind of like Ugh, that guy and then you see then i'd see <laughs> the movie and go yeah he was really good like i was i was going to say he reminds me he's one of those and i feel like we have fewer and, and fewer of these kinds of actors now where it's like such an enormous name mm-hmm. that you kind of have a tough time when you hear the name divorcing the the person for like the actual person. Yeah, from I just, the character. I think I always just wrote him off as just kind of like a a pretty face yeah. actor. I did the same thing with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. That's exactly who I was going to compare him to. Brad and I feel Pitt the same way about both of them. Became one of my favorite actors. Like mm. I think a little bit before that got cool. But hmm. even at the time, I felt weird about it because I was like, Brad Pitt's, he's like the like the, the hot guy. <laughs> but every Brad Pitt movie I saw, he's like, he was great in it. And the movies yeah. are really good. And McConaughey's the same way where he's like. Right. You almost feel like from a from a sort of film snob, I'm too cool to like the the mainstream people point of view that you should disavow liking this person. Right, right. And then when you actually see the work they do, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually good at his job. Yeah. Damn it. I keep coming back to Reign of Fire. Reign of mm-hmm. Fire is such a weird movie to me. An extremely bizarre movie. It's so great. <laughs> it's a movie about dragons. Yes. In the post-apocalypse, the whole world has been yeah. wiped out by dragons. It's a medieval movie in the future. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's uh, from 2001. And in time. this movie, is it 2001? Uh, isn't isn't this 2001? 2001? Yeah, uh, Reign of Fire is 2002, so it's the next year. Yeah, yeah. In this movie are 
Matthew McConaughey, Gerard Butler, yes. and Christian Bale. Yes. Just killing it. Yep. With giant fucking it dragons. Being dragons. <laughs> it's it's such a weird anomaly of a movie that yeah. I feel like nobody talks about, but has three huge stars in it before they were really huge stars. I mean, McConaughey was the biggest name in the movie at the time. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like we've talked more about the movie Identity and the movie Reign of Fire in this podcast episode than yeah. we have actually talked about frailty. Yeah, a little bit. We should probably just get to the point. Uh, Let's so, talk about the twist. Yes, the twist of this movie. I'd say there's multiple. There are. And I think, yes. I think that actually, I was really trying to decide whether or not the extra ones were necessary. Mm. Um, I kind of think they are. But basically, okay. the big twist of this movie is uh, Matthew McConaughey, who is uh, portrayed himself as Fenton, the adult version of Fenton Meeks. Yes, the is, older brother who is skeptical. Yes. Yeah. Is telling this whole backstory to, to Powers Booth, the, the cop. And the twist is that he is actually Adam Meeks, the younger brother. Who is the believer. Who is the believer. And that he has lured Powers Booth out to the Rose Garden where they buried all these bodies because he... Powers Booth is himself a demon is on his list who is is on Adam's list and he's going to kill Powers Booth that so like that is the base level twist yeah but there's a lot of other things that come after that that I was trying to figure out if it was necessary or if it was just you know hat on a hat situation (laughs) right because the first one you sort of you, you get he's he's gotten Powers Booth out to the Rose Garden and he's revealed this by saying, by Powers Booth has caught sort of a discrepancy in mm-hmm. his story. And he kind of calls him out and he's like, I am Adam Meeks, blah, blah, blah. And then the next twist we get is that the actual Fenton Meeks mm-hmm. grew up to be the God's Hand killer. Yes. The serial killer that the FBI is looking for. Right. So it's not, it's not that Adam is the killer. It's that he is also a killer. Right. So both of the boys have grown up to be killers, one of whom, Fenton, yes. has just gone nuts and started killing people. Right. The other one, Adam, who has, quote unquote, not gone nuts and is just killing destroying demons. Destroying demons. Destroying demons. It's very, a weird- Very, important word It's choice. an interesting move to yeah. have it not just be, oh, it was me the whole time, yeah. but have it be- no, it, my, I didn't lie to you. My brother is the God's Hand killer. Yeah. But I am also a killer. <laughs> it's well, like it's yeah, like an episode I, of Hannibal. Yeah. They just <laughs> That's, That was the joke we were making. They, just, they all here. are just kind of living in the same area. But it makes a weird amount of sense because their father had, was told that Fenton was a demon. Mm-hmm. Kind of Fenton's childhood is what created him as a quote-unquote demon sure like he probably would not have started just straight up murdering people had his dad not been like god is telling me to kill people right right that which led fenton to axing his dad in the chest oh yeah no he fenton very clearly has been mentally shattered by the events of this movie as a child yes that has followed him into his adulthood right so in his mind he might actually think he is destroying demons Mm -hmm. but he's killing people Adam is just straight up followed in his dad's footsteps. Right. Like angels are coming to me and giving me names. I have to deal with them. But it does make sense that like, yeah, if your dad was murdering people in front of you, the chance that you're both going to grow up to think that's an okay way to 
<laughs> move through the world is like, oh, all right, I, I, I buy it. Yeah. And it's it, yeah. it's interesting that Fenton, who's was no, who did not think it was an okay way to go through life, yeah. gets there by being broken. Whereas Yeah, Adam, by being locked in a cellar for two weeks until he has a vision. Yeah. And Adam just goes along with it and he seems fairly fine with it. Well, I've, I, yeah, and I think I think that you know that leads us to the sort of tertiary twist. Yeah, which is that it turns out that it's true. Yes, that the dad really can see demons. Yeah, and that his his ability has been passed to. So Adam. that's that's one of the things that I want to talk about. Yeah, because. As we were watching this, we get to the end, and he makes the reveal that he's actually Adam. Yes. And your husband uh, pointed out at some point where, like, there's a, there's stuff happening that Adam is not, as a child, Adam <laughs> yes. is not privy to. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just scenes between Fenton and the father. But since this is a story being relayed by Adam, yeah, it doesn't track that he would know the the events that he's telling. Well, you don't think Fenton would have told him? Or yeah, that he could have I just was, kind of embellished. Well, I was thinking about that where I was like, okay, well, I mean, everything that that is being talked about is believably something that Adam would have found out eventually. Yeah. But then I was thinking about it more and I was like, you know, th- there's nothing that says anything he's told this cop is true. Like he yeah. is from minute one, complete unreliable narrator. And yeah. so anything that he, this story that he's weaving about stuff that happened to him and Fenton and the stuff that he wasn't there for, he could be making all that stuff up or he could be putting the pieces together for stuff he wasn't there for, et cetera, et Yeah, cetera. yeah, I could, I could, I can, I, I would agree that there's probably some filling in the gaps here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that made me start to think about the kind of reveal at the end that seemingly... Mm-hmm. Uh, the father seems to be kind of right. Yeah, in that you are. We're kind of going back and seeing these moments where he was putting his hands on these demons and freaking out. Right, and now we're actually seeing the visions that he saw that Adam saw too. That Adam saw too. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's sort of proving that what the father was doing was actually right. Uh huh. Unless it is a furthering of the unreliable narrator or psychosis that adam has i'm gonna say i think you're giving this movie a little too much credit (laughs) i don't know because like there are things in this that i that i thought about where i was like in any other movie i feel like this is a huge issue but Uh in this one like for instance the one that i was thinking about first was where's he getting the names from if he's not nuts, I mean, yeah. if, he, if if he's nuts, right. he's got to be getting these names from somewhere. Right. But they never say where the names are coming from, who and these it's, people it's, are. Yeah, it's never people they've met before. Right. They have to drive ta- a few towns over or they have to go here or there. Yeah, it's not like, oh, it was that, it's that lady who always checks us out at the grocery store. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's very nicely left ambiguous where those names are coming from. Yeah. Assuming he's just insane. Um, And so when you get to the end and you're seeing these visions and stuff, I start thinking like, all right, is this the movie telling us that everything that he did was real? Mm -hmm. Or is this the movie just showing us that Adam shares the same psychosis that his father did? 
What I can't explain by that metric, though, yeah. is the videotapes scrubbing yes. him from existence. I was going to say, and the fact that the guy who literally, like, took him in and walked him into the into Powers Booth's office is like, I stared him right at the face and I have no idea what he looked like. Yeah. yeah. And then goes and meets him and is like, hi, nice to meet you. Right. And doesn't even recognize him when he sees him, doesn't recognize the sound of his voice. So that's why I, I think this movie... I think the movie means it that the father was and Adam are actually getting some sort of visions. Yeah. Like, I think the movie isn't trying to leave it ambiguous at the end. I think the movie is pretty clear with itself that. Yeah. It, it is saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, engine block angel is real and he wants you to kill Powers Booth. It's that's so interesting to me then because like yeah I I don't disagree like it, it it the movie does seem to be saying everything that you just saw happened and was true yeah to some extent but like I guess what is that maybe I'm giving the movie or or wanting too much from the movie if when my response to that is well then what is this movie saying God is real. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exist it's, among us. <laughs> I guess it's just something that seems to be set up as a uh, a story about a, psych- a psychotic father. Yeah, and him going off the deep end and and pulling his family apart. Yeah, to ultimately come back at the end and be like, no, he actually he actually was getting visions from God and his demons and stuff. Like I I don't know if that's. I mean, maybe I'm thinking about it too hard. I mean, maybe, but also, you know, I, I kind of commented on this a little bit when we watched the movie. Mm-hmm. At the end, it doesn't really give... So so then, just to round out all of our twists, right? Mm-hmm. The kind of last and final twist is that Adam Meeks, Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. is not only killing people also and question mark getting visions from God... He's the town sheriff now. The town of Meat. The town of Meat. Meat, where Texas. They, where they grew up. Meat. Um, which I actually think is a really interesting choice as well. Um, but he's the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And his wife's in on it. Mm-hmm. And that's also kind of a twist. You right, know, right, you, you yeah. assume it's going to be like, oh, he's disappeared and no one can find him. It's like, no, he's the sheriff. He's right there. Um but at the end, you know, when when the FBI agent kind of comes to tell him, we went to your brother's house, we found all these trophies, he's clearly a serial killer. Um, and then the, the FBI agent leaves. The, the sort of like last scene where it's like Matthew McConaughey and his wife standing on the corner and the camera's kind of panning out. Mm-hmm. It's not like a triumphant shot. Right. It doesn't, sh- it, it's not like the soundtrack doesn't give you, the the way it's kind of presented doesn't give you the impression that he's like great and a hero and that the good guy has won it kind of leaves you with this like unsettled eerie feeling right so maybe you're right like maybe i'm underthinking it and maybe part of it is supposed to leave a question in your mind of like is this person actually destroying demons or did the fbi by some weird combination of chance and ineptitude just leave this prolific serial killer alone yeah it it does it makes me think about fenton's ultimate fate 
where he yeah. is driven insane, becomes a serial killer only to be serial killed, serial killed himself <laughs> by his own brother, by his own brother. Um, well, and, I, and I, that, that was part of what I was thinking about in terms of the unreliable narrator aspect of it, which yeah. is like, is it possible that Fenton wasn't actually killing people and that whole thing was set up by Adam? But I mean, that seems to be like that's a lot of. I was going to say, I feel. I also feel like that would be if if that if we were supposed to even suspect that, I feel like there would have been yeah. something to imply yeah. it, even a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there kind of isn't. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but yeah, it it just makes me think about the Fenton character, and it's like, what a fucking downer. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> yeah, you know, he he kills the monster essentially in the past. Only to be driven nuts yeah. and become a serial killer. Or is the implication that he was always the monster? Yeah, that too. That he's, I mean, even if that's the case, that's even sadder. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that this kid was like born a monster and yeah. stayed one his whole and, life. And you know, don't get me wrong. I don't need, I don't need someone with a, a cape on coming down and being like, I'm the hero of this movie or like, right. it's just once you start getting into this idea that he they are actually being uh pointed by some sort of cosmic being right to start killing people for what seem like quote unquote justifiable reasons right so we find out that like the woman they kill first definitely slit some guy's throat yep um the old man they kill was a child molester mm-hmm. and potentially child murderer too mm-hmm. um, he's going to come back as a sleep demon yeah um yeah and there's just like like every, everybody they kill you sort of get this this montage of all the horrible things that they've done there's that one guy the last guy that where he after he i think is, it, is it the one after he kills the dad the yeah who has he had one scene in that movie oh yeah and he just made a meal out yeah. of that scene he's just chewing it up where yep he's got like three lines yeah and he's and he just like, you hear the wife in the, the house. He's like, would you shut the fuck up, you bitch? Yeah. And, then he's, and like, he's just really going to. I got a tire to... iron for yeah. you. It's around back. What are those gloves for, yeah. man? <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. Really making some choices. The person who in a in a murder mystery would be the person who you would never suspect because it's like, oh, he's too obviously right. a creep and a, and a criminal. Right. No way it's him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that I think the ending works. Um, I think it's a really fun twist. I think it's yeah. effective. But yeah, I guess this time I just started thinking about like all of the really sad implications that come along with it. Yeah, and and you know, I th- I think part of it is like if Adam is really being guided by God, there's no like. In, in in the actual world, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world we all live in, in reality, like, we're not seeing any benefit to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he's, he's destroying demons, and these demons, or people, whatever, have done bad things, but there's never a moment where he's, like, stopping them from doing the bad thing, right, or, or right. catching them in the act, and then killing... Like, he's not Dexter. Do you, do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Where it's like, oh, you're gonna hunt down and kill this young woman, he's but just, I'm gonna catch you first, and I'm gonna bring you over here, and I'm gonna kill you before yeah, you can kill her. Yeah, he's just dead zoning people. Well, I mean, technically that's before, but yeah, yeah. So you never get a sense that he's like, there's, there's no grateful 
almost victims being mm-hmm. like, oh, I was being kept prisoner and this guy was going to murder me. And then someone came and, you know, killed him first and now I got to live. Hooray. And there's yeah. no, I don't know. It's just, it's just this weird feeling you're left at the end where it's like, functionally, this is a story about three men who all killed people. Right. And on a practical level, there's nothing outwardly discerning them from one another. Yeah. I think for me, if I had to take one of the things off the board, one of the many twists. Yes. I would take the video scrubbing off the board because I think once you put in this like supernatural video editing software, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that prevents his The angel face. Gabriel just going, smudge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> angel Gabriel stealing the tapes. Yeah. Um, once you put that on the board where like this, some sort of supernatural element is making it so people don't remember what he looks like. Yeah. Or, or making it impossible for his face to show up on camera. Yeah. That is, I feel like you're really saying, okay, something's going on here. Right. It sort of makes it almost... It makes it very difficult to argue against the idea that, oh, Adam and his father really are getting visions. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you took that out, yeah, yeah, I think there's more wiggle room to be like, okay, even though we're seeing the quote unquote visions. Right. It's all from Adam's point of view. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. How you much know. can we trust that given that he's murdered so many people? Yeah. The- but that's the other thing is also like this Rose Garden when you see it in the flashbacks, mm-hmm. it's like right in the middle of a neighborhood. Yes. Yes. It's not like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's very public. And when you see him bring Powers Booth there, there's like 16 fucking graves. And there's, they are like mounded yeah, they're up. Not with, like, they are not subtle. No, it's they're not, not like, like graves. It's like yeah. burial mounds. Yes. And it's not like he's like, every time I kill someone, I plant a rose, rose bush on top of them so no one can find them. It's like, no, no, no. They're all right there. They're very, very, very visible. And he's been doing this between him and the father. Yes. They've been doing this since 1979. Right. How much room is left in the Rose Garden? But also- Who's taking care of the roses? Then nobody's noticing? Well, maybe he takes care of the roses. That's true. Maybe Good it's, point. Yeah. you know, he's like a, a botanist as well. Um, but also, like, you'd think someone would notice. Right. Like, like yeah. it's a public- area someone can just walk in right so yeah. the fact that i think between the no one can see them on camera nobody seems to remember them when they see them they snatch that dude from a parking lot in broad front of a department daylight. store in broad daylight. broad daylight no one comes to question them nope. no one says oh we think we saw your car in the parking lot like mm-hmm. there's just all of these things that add up to making it seem like this movie wants you to really believe yeah that these people are getting visions. Well, see, that's I think that's the thing for me. Like, if you took the if you took the actual um, God's hand scrubbing the video out of it, mm-hmm. and and just kind of relied on a luck and coincidence that his face never ended up on the camera. Sure. And also, like you're saying, Matthew McConaughey. These are your words. Completely blank void of a person. Yep. Um, you you could rely on the other cop being like, honestly, I didn't really look at him that much. You know, <laughs> did what I you mean? ever watch Mad TV? 
Yes, I did. Did you ever watch Miss Swan? Oh, sure. Yes. He looked like a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Where it's like you can, there's a certain, how many people have you met where you've yeah. probably talked to them for maybe, five minutes? Maybe Matthew McConaughey is, is this FBI agent's Bill Paxton. Yeah, exactly. And he just, yeah. you're face blind when you look at him exactly. like I am with Bill Paxton. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. I think there's a believable level of that where that other FBI agent can be like, honestly, I was on my way out. I didn't even really... Yeah, to think about it. (laughs) Had a couple martinis at lunch, like you do, and yeah, you know, and that, and so like when he comes to meet him at the sheriff's office, sheriff's department later, and he looks right at him. He looks different. He's got his hair done differently. Yeah, he's in uniform. Yeah, there can be a moment where he's kind of like, yeah, squint. You know? Oh, hi. Did we look kind of familiar? But I can't really place it. Yeah, like I feel like that gives you enough wiggle room to kind of say, okay. You could go either way with this, but once you have yeah. once you have supernatural elements scrubbing the videotape, yeah, I it's feel like really it's tough hard to like inject some ambiguity back into it. At yeah. that point, because even w- I, I think it still works with all the things you're talking about, where it's like these m- these people are being buried right in the middle of town with yeah. very conspicuous graves. They're stealing people right out of the middle oh, of town. Dad, Nobody's noticing. It? I think if you you can still look at those things and go. Well, clearly they have somebody on their side. It's it's a it's a it's a Crystal Lake scenario, and the whole town is in on yeah, it. No, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that's always the best way to go. No, yeah. um, uh, but you know what I mean. Where it's like those are things that seem silly, but when you think yeah. about them in the context of this, it's like, oh, well, yeah, somebody or something else supernatural is on their side, or if there's no supernatural things going on, coincidence and luck, right. Right. Small town. Nobody's really poking around very much. Yeah. Yeah. But Who knows where they're, where they're probably pulling from other states and stuff. But, right. Yeah. yeah. But this makes it kind of tough to... It, this movie makes it, I think, so explicit with that, with all of that, yeah. that it's tough to kind of find that ambiguity and, and kind of sit in it. Yeah. I actually, for, like I said earlier, I forgot the mm. actual ending. I remember the first twist. But I didn't yeah. remember the stuff after it. Yeah. So I thought the natural ending point of the movie was when Powers Booth is like, I'm an FBI agent. They're going to find gonna, you. Yeah. And he says, God will protect me. And uh-huh. then he does the axe and they cut to black. I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's where you end the movie, obviously. But then they do all this other stuff. Yeah. And I was trying to, I was like, yeah, I guess, I think it. I think it works because I think it does strengthen everything else. Yeah. Um and doesn't make it just a a one twist movie. Yeah. Um but I could see argument for cutting that stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough because I I think I'm more in line with you if, if I was going to change anything, I think it would be to add some of the ambiguity back in. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's it's actually strengthens things to have him be sheriff because it's like, oh yeah, of course he's in a position of power. Sure. He kind of sets his own schedule. People don't question if he's busy or he's out or if he comes back with some blood on his clothes, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I had to, you know, go break up a bar fight or whatever. Like, right. Right. Yeah. So I, I liked that reveal. I even liked the reveal that the wife is in on it, mm-hmm. that she was the one kind of backing up his story. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if you need all the stuff with the, this, making it so explicit with the brother of going to his yeah. house and, and finding all the trophies in the basement and all of yeah. that. Yeah. It just gives the FBI an excuse to come to Adam. Yeah. yeah. 
I yeah. do like when he shakes the FBI agent's hand and says, you're a good man. Yeah. I actually yeah, really good. like that because yeah. it's like whether or not this is something that's true or it's just in his perception, it's sort of a nod to the audience of like, I have decided to leave this person alone. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting ending to an interesting movie. What do you uh, what do you think of the title? So I I think it's like weirdly uh, maybe a little too esoteric for the rest of the movie. I don't know. Not esoteric. That's not the right word. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a movie that leaves such a little room for ambiguity, it's a very ambiguous title. Yeah. Because I'm guessing there's, you know, I'm sure there's probably biblical quotes about human frailty. Yeah. The, uh, according to the, uh, writer's commentary on the DVD the writer Brent Hanley says frailty to me was always about the frailty of perception the frailty of yeah. morality the frailty of mm. right and wrong uh, and he says I like the idea of an abstract title however <laughs> one of the other things in here oh <laughs> I want to talk about ambiguity yeah. oh, God. Uh, says allegedly that the title frailty which has never spoken in the film refers not to the slow disintegration of the family but to the very low budget for the movie Lionsgate considered changing the title to God's Hands, uh, but Paxton and writer Brent Hantley insisted against this. Ironically, the Brazilian title is The Devil's Hand. Um, <laughs> I seriously doubt that the title of this movie is a reference to the budget. <laughs> I highly doubt that as well, especially if especially if your option was uh, we can name your movie after a reference to the tiny budget or it can be God's Hands. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I I believe the one where it's more like we liked the abstract title. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm a fan of abstract titles. I think, yeah. I think you can, I think you can read, I think the word ap- ap- applies in this movie. I think you can find yeah. the places to apply it. No, I, I, I think that's true. I think it's just kind of ironic mm-hmm. for, for a movie that in the last 15 to 20 minutes really spells a lot of stuff out for you. It, right. It's funny to have such a, such a, a title with, so many levels of interpretation you can apply. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I think that's going to be it. This was um this was number 190 on our yeah. list. Do you like that placement? Do you think it belongs on the list? Would you move it up? Would you move it down? So here's my thing. I think the only way this really belongs on the list is if there really are angels visiting these guys. Oh, because otherwise it wouldn't be a horror movie? Right. Then it's just yeah. kind of a psychological thriller. Yeah, I this was a, this is a really interesting line drawing kind of movie yeah because it really i feel like and this is probably going to be me going back on what i said about american psycho but (laughs) i kind of feel like like i go back on everything i like every other recording we do i can i contradict myself completely so that's the name of the game when you do this stuff (laughs) um i feel like anything that involves axe murder is pretty safely in the horror camp yeah, I mean, there's something weirdly bloodless about this movie. It though. is a very bloodless movie, like yeah. like literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. where it, it it's sort of like we're not even set up to have a ton of sympathy for the victims, right? Especially right. not where the only extended scenes we see any of them in are like victimizing other people horrendously. Well, I think what's interesting about that actually is that the sympathy comes from exclusively from Fenton, right? Who is the one going like. Are you you guys are fucking crazy. Right. These you're are murdering you're humans. Yeah. 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 But but so it's tough. I, f- I feel like this movie really toes the line between thriller 
like yeah, yeah. like a, like a like a psycho a psychological thriller and a horror movie mm-hmm. and i i feel like what tips it into horror for me is the the religious theming and the potential yeah. of a sort of supernatural or divine influence happening yeah i would agree i yeah. think it's i think even if they're not literally supernatural stuff showing up the yeah. fact that there is those he is having those visions that right. are presenting right supernatural elements yeah. i think that counts i think so too yeah. yeah would you uh would you keep it on the list 190 it's only 10 spots from the bottom ah uh, honestly i would probably bump it yeah i mean we've had enough i always say this we've had enough movies that we've done as wild cards even some of the ones that we're planning on doing coming up for the for the Patreon exclusives that are Stephen King movies, while maybe not up to the level of something like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, mm-hmm. some of the ones we're doing are really good influential horror movies. Sure. And the fact that like Children of the Corn isn't on this list, but Frailty is. Yeah. This is 190. I'll read you 191 through 200. Sure. Uh, Phantasm, get the fuck out of here. Phant- yeah. get Phantasm <laughs> off the list. Phantasm, the American version of The Ring. Oh. The Mist. Oh. Open Water, Jacob's Ladder, It's Alive, Hellraiser, Bram Stoker's what? Dracula, Phenomena, and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. I would put, honestly, ugh, I hate to say this, <laughs> even including Phantasm, I would put all of these movies higher than Frailty. I, I would too, honestly. And it's not that Frailty's a bad movie because it's no, not. No, no, no. It's like we, but it does occupy this weird space where it's like, yeah, that was really good. Yes. I'm probably not going to think about it ever again. Yeah. Until the next time I watch it in 15 years. Right. And questionable whether or not this is even a horror movie. Yeah. 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 I think I would probably, I'd probably bump it, especially based on where it is. Yeah. Because like. The 200 spot is really interesting. I don't know if we've ever really talked about this specifically, but it's yeah. like, it's the bottom of the list, but it's also the movie that goes there feels like it needs to be important because it's mm. kind of, it's kind of like kicking off the list. Yeah. Even it's, though it's the last one on the, you know what I mean? But it's sort of a benchmark where it's like everything that comes after 200, you know, 199 through one mm-hmm. has to hit a certain, like, not, you know, like a certain standard, you know, right. like everything that comes after Nightmare on Elm Street 3 has to kind of exceed that in some way. Right, right. And I don't know if frailty pulls it off like honestly i would put i I know i shit talk this movie but like if i opened up this list and i saw phantasm at number 200 i'd go perfect movie to start this list with yeah because it has cachet (laughs) people seem to like it for some reason i was gonna say maybe it's not quality wise the best movie that you've ever seen but it's definitively a horror movie it kicked off a franchise Mm -hmm. it's a cult classic it's iconic in a lot of ways it's probably gonna be on this list somewhere Right, right, right. If it's and if it has to be on the list somewhere, we're gonna put it in the lowest spot. Yes, I want it as far <laughs> away from me as possible. But yeah, like if you open this list and even American Psycho, it's like okay, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, at, for a while it was Black Christmas, and it's like, well, I think it should be higher. But if like you, much higher. if you open it up and the first movie you see is Black Christmas, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm in good hands here. Yeah, or even American Psycho, where I would argue, I I, I would have a hard time arguing that frailty. If the if the supernatural elements of frailty are actually just psychological, mm-hmm. 
then I don't see how this is a horror movie and American Psycho isn't sure. or, or vice versa if, if it is. a You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what's really weird, though, talking about this? Yeah. I have a bigger problem with frailty being at 200 than I do it being at 190. Like if it's See, like now if, that is weird. No, because like what I was just saying, like I feel like two hundred is this weird like opener. Yeah. And if like frailty frailty's not a movie I would think of as being like a list starter. And it it does feel to me like one of those ones that you're just gonna like throw a dart at in the middle somewhere. Or like you got you gotta fill out two hundred movies. Yeah. Sure, frailty will be on the list somewhere. Yeah, but. and you know, maybe we'd feel a little different about this movie if we were fresh to the twist. Yeah, maybe. You yeah. know. Yeah. It might it might hit you harder. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. think I think we're in agreement that as it stands, probably take it off the list. Probably. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Good movie though. Yeah, I, I do enjoy it. And I honestly would say if you know, we're talking about would you recommend this movie mm-hmm. kind of deal. If you haven't seen this movie, I I would recommend that you watch it. Yeah. Yes. I, I would hope that you have watched it before you listened to this podcast. Yeah, it's it's a recommend. Um, yeah, I would be curious to see how this plays now, if it still works or if it's, you know, people are too savvy and we'll see, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like we said, I think there's enough curves at the end where you're not going to predict everything. You're probably going to figure out midway through that, that quote unquote Fenton, the adult Fenton quote, you know, yeah. Matthew McConaughey isn't telling you everything. Yeah. 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 Although, I mean, we, we're already running along here, but yeah, sorry. Um, I it's I it's so keep talking about Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, get a room. <laughs> Bring your frail, <laughs> You and your t- get your frailty sure. DVD and go lock yourself away in a room somewhere. Actually, sounds fine. <laughs> I need some alone time. Um, but like it's it's so it's kind of like ingeniously structured where he's pretending to be his brother. Like it's I don't think it's as as easily parsable. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, I feel like most people are going to would sit there and be like, "Oh, he's actually a killer." You yeah. know what I mean? People would probably believe that like, "Oh yeah, he's a murderer" or like he's he's actually the killer the whole time and then you find out he's actually not even Yeah, cuz it's he was. not it's not like, you know, he comes in and he's like Fenton Meeks yeah. is the killer. And it's not like the twist is I'm Fenton Meeks. You know, cuz yeah. like he said my brother Adam. Adam. No, no, but he mm. says, my brother, Fenton Meeks. Right? Yeah. Is that what he says? No, no, no. no he's he, saying he is Fenton at the beginning. He's saying he is Fenton. So he's like, hello, my name is Fenton Meeks. My brother, Adam, was right. the God's hand killer. Okay. So maybe it's not as clever as I thought yeah. it was. Anyway, good twist. Yeah. It works. Um, that's going to be it for frailty, <laughs> I think. Uh, we have come up on our next wild card. Wow. Which is a quick one because we shuffled some stuff around uh, to get in. Better watch out for Christmas. <laughs> so for our next wild card, it's my pick. We're going to be doing a movie called Dead and Buried from, I think, like 1981. Ooh. It's actually one of the first movies that uh, Stan Winston was the lead special effects guy on. Stan Winston, oh. who did, uh, created The Terminator and Predator and stuff like yeah. that. It's a, it's a movie where I think I saw the box art at the video store mm-hmm. all the time weird weird cover never rented it and then i finally sat down and watched it maybe like i think i so there's a there's a internet show called trailers from hell 
where <laughs> okay. different filmmakers will talk about horror movie trailers and like mm. what what they liked about the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Guillermo del Toro did Ooh. Dead and Buried. And the trailer by itself got me and then hearing him talk about it got me even more so I watched it and I loved it. Nice. So it's one of those one of those rare movies where I was like I feel like I found one mm. that doesn't really get talked about a lot. So I'm looking forward to everybody else watching it. But yeah, so that's going to do it for Frailty. Next time, we'll be doing Dead and Buried. Thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you sign up for our Patreon, you can join our coverage of the... Uh, I can't think of a better way to talk about say that than the Stephen King also ran adaptations. Yeah, the second string. Second string. There we go. Second yeah. string Stephen King adaptations. Uh, Stephen King adaptations that are not on our main list. January was It Chapter 2. February is Silver Bullet, and then it's a little bit random after that. Uh, but you can uh, follow along through Patreon at patreon.com slash Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Guy. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.